today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling, sponsored by the Cannabis Marketing Association. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, the founder and CEO of Cannabis Marketing Association. Follow us on social media at Canna Marketing or on LinkedIn and sign up for our newsletter for cannabis marketing tips. We are kicking off season four of the podcast, and I've learned a lot since we started. We're going to be talking more about business building in context to marketing this season. A lot of us are building the ship as we cross the ocean, and understanding what resources we have up front is important context to the marketing conversation. I'm also excited to announce in the coming weeks the dates for our June Cannabis Marketing Summit in Denver, as well as the launch of our awards program with the ceremony held at the summit. So let's jump into this week's guest. I'm talking with Jeremy Johnson, the Business Development Manager at Dispense. Jeremy is a digital marketing professional that has fully transitioned into the cannabis space after a wide range of projects, leading from mobile and web development teams to managing tech installations for music festivals and large-scale events. Cannabis has always been a part of his journey as a second-generation advocate and medical card holder at an early age. From 2020 to 2022, Jeremy helped lead the e-commerce and digital strategies for two of Michigan's highest volume dispensaries. And after a decade-long career in the digital world, Jeremy is now helping educate cannabis retailers on how to use e-commerce tools to increase brand awareness, grow web traffic, and increase sales in the fastest-growing channel for the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, and today's guest is Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy, thank you so much for being in here and joining us on the show today. Thank you. It's always fun. Nice. So, Jeremy, can you give our audience a little bit of background on who you are, what you do, and how you got started in cannabis? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, currently, I work for a uh, ancillary company in the space. Uh, we we focus on e-commerce um, and order management. Um, for retailers, um, so the company is called Dispense, um, and we we build we build uh, online menus, um, kiosk menus, anything digital um, for retailers to to help them sell cannabis online or in store through different digital channels. Um, that that's my current focus, and that's also like kind of my background previous to cannabis. Um, I I was involved in the um, digital space, building websites and mobile apps uh, through agency work. So I built like hundreds of different websites and probably close to 50 different mobile apps um, over like 15 years. Uh, and and that's, that's where like cannabis and um, technology kind of intersect for me. Um, but previous to that in the cannabis space, um, I've been involved for a long time. Um, kind of was like born into it but then I um you know I was lucky that I am from Michigan so in 2008 we passed the caregiver bill um and I happened to just be turning 18 so I got my caregiver card right away um and got started as a caregiver uh for and did that for about 10 years um but also had the opportunity to um, see the industry in California during that time, as well as Oregon. Um, I got I, I got to vote on three different recreational bills: uh, California, Oregon, and Michigan. Um, so that that's like a fun fact. It was a good time. And then when Michigan was finally going legal in 2018, 
Um, I, I kind of moved back to Michigan full time and focused on that and helped open um, the first recreational dispensary chain in um, the Upper Peninsula. So the, the, they opened the first store and then um, I kind of got involved on the second store. And uh, as we got going, um, the pandemic set in pretty quickly. We Our first store opened in like November of 2019, I think it was. Um, and then I started kind of working on the digital side and all of a sudden everything switched to online orders. Um, so that was kind of like the light bulb moment for me where I was like, I can take my past experience and apply it to cannabis um, and do some really cool stuff with it. Uh, so spent about two years working for that company and then a few months working for uh, 315, one of the largest non-vertically integrated retailers in the state of Michigan. Um, but then it just made sense to go and help build a better e-commerce platform uh, because this is a new industry and I felt like a lot of the tools were lacking and that's where we are now. So did you, when you said you were building those websites and mobile apps, do you have a dev background? Uh, originally I do. Um, I, I, so I, I taught myself like pretty early on how to program just with like, like age of empires, uh, Warcraft. I was, I was nice. modding anything I could. Um, but, and I, I, I started, um, I got about halfway through like, a um, a technical, um, degree in college, but then I kind of realized, uh, and cannabis was probably part of this journey, uh, you know, in college, like, I was like, I don't want to sit behind a computer my whole life. Like I want to be out doing stuff and like talking and socializing. Um, so I dropped out of my, my program, but when I graduated, uh, I, I graduated with a communications degree in rhetorical communication, which like not a whole lot of jobs. I was studying like propaganda and social movements. So not a whole lot of jobs in that. Um, but because of my technical background, I was able to get a job in um, the development space, but I, I quickly kind of positioned myself to be more of a project and product manager so that I wasn't having to do all the code myself and could still like work on fun things and have an impact, but not be glued to my keyboard. And tell me a little bit about Dispense and how so it sounds like you've worked with a lot of startups, uh, which is what mo most of us do in this space as a startup industry. Almost all of our businesses are startups, um, depending on how you look at it, but that you've got some deep experience there. Tell me about um, Dispense's story and your role there. Yeah. Um, so Dispense was started um, like early 2020, um, and it was it was started by uh, Kyla Sirini um, and Tim Officer, who they had a previous startup um, that's still in existence called Tableist, and it was in the hospitality space. Um, it if you're familiar or if you're not familiar, they did like book booking is kind of like open table, but for like bars and clubs. So it, it's like digital online bookings for you know a private spot at a club and bottle service and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so through that business, um, they were connected with Abner at who is uh, or was the founder and CEO of Ascend Wellness. And, you know, once the pandemic set in, um, obviously the hospitality industry took a huge dive. 
uh, and so their their business was kind of uh, on kind of non-existent at that point. Nobody was open, um, but at the same time, cannabis was exploding, um, and so. Ascend had this store in um, Illinois that was right on the border of St. Louis that was just crazy busy doing thousands of orders a day. And they could they didn't have the technology to keep up with all those orders. Um, and so Abner called Kyla and was like, hey, I need help. I need an order management system. Um, and that was the first iterate. The first iteration of Dispense actually sat on top of another e-commerce platform. Um, and all it did was help to manage orders from like a time slot perspective. Um, but then, you know, they quickly realized that a lot of the stuff they built for Tableist could transfer to cannabis. Um, so that's how it evolved into more of a full order management system with a focus on e-commerce. And so did it, you said it started March, early 2020. Was that like pre-pandemic, right when it started or because, right when it started, because yeah. of it? Because of it, yeah, because all, all the, you know, all the different states were putting in restrictions. So like you couldn't shop in store. And yeah. so really you had to shop online, but then it was, it just made it a mess for like, how do you control the flow? And like this store and this Ascend store, like people were driving, it was so busy. People were driving across the border. They had to buy a parking lot. And so people were parking in this parking lot and then they had buses that were busing people to the store. Like a music festival. <laughs> yeah, that's how crazy it was. That's how busy it was. And that, so they, and everybody had to make the pre-orders online. So it was like, you'd park at the parking lot, you'd get on the bus, you'd drive to the store, you'd pick up your order, you'd get back on the bus, you'd go back to your car. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, I, I do want to talk about your approach to marketing and your philosophy, but I want to ask too about um, how resourced your company is. Um, a lot of our list, we haven't really talked about it in the podcast yet, but a lot of marketers in this space are highly under-resourced as far as funding, team, um, you know, whatever, what have you. So where did Dispense get funding, um, if you don't mind me asking, and how much resources go towards marketing? And then we'll get into strategy a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, and I, I kind of skipped over one of the second part of your last question, but like I, I got involved with Dispense right after their first round of funding. Um, you know, I, I had spent um, about three years working in recreational cannabis focused on e-commerce, um, you know, kind of a little bit pre-pandemic, but then mostly post-pandemic um, started in like 2019-ish. Um, and I, I got introduced to Kyla like right after they had raised their first round. Um, and that's kind of how, how we met and how we ended up working together. Um, but Dispense raised uh, about $2.5 million um, in the, let's say like fall of 2020, it must have been. Um, and, uh, or maybe it was 2021. I, I don't know. Dates are... I don't know, yeah. post-pandemic stuff, but um, either either way, uh, that, that first round was um, obviously a lot smaller than like some of the other companies in this space. Um, it was led by Poseidon, um, who is one of the original cannabis, cannabis investors. So that was really cool. And one of the things that attracted me to the company 
Um, but then it also had backing from like a lot of mainstream investment companies um, like Nextview, who um, it's the that's the venture capitalist firm of the founder of LinkedIn, for example. Um, so it was really interesting to see a cannabis technology company um, that didn't just have purely cannabis investors. And that was like another thing that was really attracted to, attractive to me personally when I was looking at different platforms and where I wanted to be at. Um, but yeah, so we, we raised 2.5 million, which is nothing to like, you know, that that's a substantial amount, but we're not raising, we didn't raise like hundreds of millions, like a lot of these other people. So that does kind of keep us resource constrained, you know, at this point, we're like a team of 14 or 15 people now. Um, and not a ton of the budget goes to marketing. Um, we have one full-time marketing person, and then there's, you know, maybe two or three of us that, um, including myself, that kind of uh, dedicate part-time resources to marketing. So, it, it, I, you know, I, I from a marketing perspective, I wish we would do more of it, but like, we also, we have to be conscious of how we grow and most of our resources are dedicated to engineering um, and support right now. Because if we don't have the product to back up the marketing, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, thank you for sharing that. Um, when you are, there's something to be said about being a little bit constrained because it forces you to learn. It forces you to be scrappy. It forces you to really test and um, test on a smaller scale so that when you do get more money and the time is right or resources, you're, you're able to make some conscious decisions. Um, oh. And I think it, you can kind of build that into the culture when you start, you know, you start sl small, but grow conscientiously. Um, yeah. That can really serve you in the long term. But that that definitely makes sense from a tech perspective as far as, you know, how much just goes into building the product and making sure you've got something functional that you can sell in the first place. Yeah. And we, we started behind too, you know, um, like some of the other e-commerce companies in the space got their start um, in like, I think like 2018 or 2019. Um, so they, they had like a year to two years head start on us. So we've, we've definitely had to put that focus on product first. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your approach to marketing um, and, and, we could actually, you could answer this either as Jeremy or on behalf of Dispense, because I know, I know you're also a marketer too, um, even if it's not necessarily all of your day to day. Do you have a marketing philosophy or strategy that you stay true to? So from like a theoretical standpoint, a lot of my, like, I didn't, I didn't like go to, um, like, I didn't graduate with like a marketing degree or anything. Um, I, 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 by I the way. What's that? Neither did I, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, the marketing degree, like the marketing program at my university just wasn't really attractive, but um, at least to me, like it didn't grab my interest. But like my my background is in communications, like which marketing communications, lots of overlap there. Um, but like specifically, um, I mentioned earlier, like propaganda and social movements. And like a lot, a lot of that is like, you know, I specifically like I studied like World War II a lot um, and like so much of that is like, how do you create a message and distill it down um, in, in, in a form that can be like easily understood, but then a message that you can like blast out to multiple channels and, and you know, that, that you have to be able to tweak that message for each different channel that you're using for it to truly be effective. So like for me, 
I really think about marketing as propaganda, um, which like a lot, maybe has a negative connotation for some people, but like propaganda is neutral. Um, it can be positive or negative. Um, and it's just how, how you choose to utilize it. So that's like my personal background. Um, when it comes to business, like I really believe in more like product led marketing strategies um, and letting the product speak for itself. Um, and then also uh, from, a, I think for if, if I was a, um, you know, if I was a studied marketer, uh, I think the correct terminology is like demand generation. Um, so like with dispense, just as a concrete example, one of the things that was missing in cannabis e-commerce when we got started was um, the ability to leverage product data for SEO. Um, and so like all, for the first like year, I mean, and I still focus on this a lot, like you'll hear me talk about it all the time, but for like the first year, um, we were just building out the ability to leverage your product data for SEO. And when we launched that product, so much of what I talked about, so much of what we talked about as a company was just focused on like, hey, here's how, here's how, here's what you don't have access. Here's what you're missing out on. Here's what you don't have access to right now if you're using an iframe menu. And here's what you could be doing if you were using technology um, that allowed you to, to drive SEO traffic. Um, and so it was just like, in a way, it was like education because a lot of people didn't even know the traffic they were missing out on and subsequently the revenue. Um, but that's, I think that's like, for me, that's the most effective thing. It's like demand, you know, um, demand generation as well as education mixed in and just being like, being um, like open about what your product can do and how you're doing it. That makes sense. And I know you, I was going to say, so just to make sure everyone understands that, can you just talk about the difference between what an iframe is and product-based SEO? Yeah. Well, so the, um, I that's like, I know they're not like two separate, not things, quite the same. Yeah. yeah. So like, um, most online menus, um, and this is like, it's kind of funny how this happened, but like, on, online menus and cannabis weren't really a thing until the pandemic, right? So like there were a couple players in the space that had built out MVPs of online menus, so minimum viable products. Um, and to do that, like one of the easiest ways to do that is to just do it with an iframe. Iframes are like 25-year-old technology, but they're like simple to get up and running. And so when the pandemic hit, um, there wasn't any infrastructure for this stuff on like a more robust scale. So then all of a sudden iframes were deployed across thousands of dispensary websites. Um, the, the issue with iframes, there's there's many, but I mean, the, there's security issues, there's speed issues, um, but then most importantly, from like a SEO standpoint, Google has a really hard time crawling and indexing content inside of iframes. Um, so all these dispensaries out there are hosting a menu, but then if you were to search for a brand category or, or a strain, um, none of your dispensary isn't showing up in Google. Instead, what's showing up is like one of the marketplaces, whether it's Dutchie or Weed Maps or Leafly or anything like that. Um, so, you know, there's kind of, there's iframe based menus, which is like, in, I guess the technique or the, um, 
like technical term for like the container would be like embedded style menus, but then there's native style menus. So native menus are built into your website. They're a part of your website. Um, every page is, you know, has a unique URL and that content is fully indexable and crawlable by Google. Um, and that's what allows you to show up when somebody searches for like, where can I get some Jeter pre-rolls near me? Um, and that's as a, as a retailer, that's what you want. You know, if somebody's looking for that product and you carry that product, you want them to be able to just find you instantly through Google, because at the end of the day, Google is the largest marketplace. Um, so hopefully from a technical perspective, that clears it up a little bit. Yeah. So when you're talking about product-led marketing, there's you in general, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> for technology, um, you obviously want to build a good product that speaks for itself and your customers are going to be happy with, but also as far as your specific vertical and the product that Dispense is building, there is this um, almost inherent benefit to your customers because they own, the, they have control of that technology and they can use SEO and in this use case for the products to be able to rank and be found and increase their revenue. So it, it, yeah. it there's kind of two sides to that, but they do work together. Yeah. And I've kind of, I've like product led SEO is like a, a real industry term in the SEO space. And it's, it's like create, it's like um, using SEO as a strategy, but focused on your product. And it mostly comes from the B2B space actually. Um, but I kind of co-opted the term for cannabis and I, but I tweaked it a little bit. So I call it product-based SEO um, because for cannabis retailers, their product is, you know, the, the actual, you know, it's B2B to C. And so it's the actual thing that people are buying. Um, so when I say like product-based SEO, I'm talking about SEO revolving around um, categories. So things like pre-rolls versus flower. Um, and then brands, uh, so like a Jeter, Wana, Wild, um, and then strains too. You know, people don't realize it, but there's about um, 12 million searches per month just for cannabis strains on Google. Um, so there's just worldwide or in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, I, I think that no, that's just U.S. That doesn't include Canada. That's just U.S. numbers. Yeah, that's enormous. Yeah, it's crazy how many people are searching for cannabis strains and like the more mature a market gets, you know, at first you might just be searching for like, what's the closest dispensary to me, but then the more mature a market gets, you can see those searches change to be more like brand loyal um, or strain specific. So people really want to know, like, where can I get some pineapple express at the more they know. Um, so it, 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 there's a large part of education with it too. Yeah, and we've seen, um, at least on the CMA side, that that backed up by other data as far as uh, what consumers are asking for and what they're looking for on the, like, not just from an SEO, SEO side, but like consumer research and, and market research is showing, too, that there actually is really high brand loyalty in mature markets in cannabis. So for newer yeah. markets, it is something to pay attention to because that is just how consumer behavior is going to change. And to just give another example, like, you know, if I'm searching for clothes, I might say like conference outfit, you know, in Denver or, mm -hmm. you know, red shoes near me. And that like, that's the same thing as far as people are, they search specifically as far as what they're looking for then versus sometimes yeah. but within that retailer. 
Um, so that that makes a lot of sense that it's it's happening in cannabis and that retailers and brands should pay attention to that. But it comes down to the the core technology ultimately. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's like it's not like you're gonna if you're looking for clothes or I mean, there's so many examples, but like if you're looking for a particular style of clothes, you're probably not going to search for like the target nearest to you. You're going to search for like, like you said, like clothes or conference clothes. And then if target happens to have it, sure. You'll go to target, but you want to know that target has it first. And same thing with dispensaries. Like I got three dispensaries within a mile of me, but I don't want to go to that dispensary if they don't have the product I'm looking for. So I'm going to go online first figure out which dispensary has it and then go to that one. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are your favorite marketing tools? Are there any specific platforms or resources that you recommend? Yeah. Um, so I, for me, my favorite marketing tools are analytical based. Um, so, you know, there's this, there's this like concept, like if I've got an hour to solve a, a problem, I'm going to spend 55 minutes researching that problem and then five minutes like executing and solving it. Um, and, and so like when I'm talking digital marketing, usually the, the tool that I live in is Google Analytics, Google Search Console, and then a, a number of third-party tools like um, SEMrush. Uh, I, I, SEMrush is probably the one that I use the most. Um, but I mean, my, my morning start by just like, opening up all of my analytical tools and like going through the data for the last week or the previous day and like seeing if there's like unusual spikes on a certain thing and just like trying to understand what is going on from a consumer standpoint, um, whether it's at the retail level or on the B2B side. Um, and so I'm, I'm constantly like kind of switching mindsets between B2B marketing and B2B see marketing but regardless i'm still in like those analytical platforms first and foremost and google so sem rush isn't free but google analytics and google search console are you just need to install them and have them on your site and you can also if you have a crm like we use hubspot you can have yeah. them connect and sort of directly embed too so you can have a dashboard of that information but i know google has made some changes to analytics recently but um, just want to let everyone know if you don't already have those set up that you they you can just do that. Yeah, 100%. And, and one thing I will say too, as a retailer, like going back to the actual technology, like when I was on the retail side, and I still see this when I'm working with retail clients, but um, you know, that, that iframe technology, again, like really difficult for Google to crawl it and index it properly because you're, you're, they're not individual pages. You're just reloading content in it. So when I was working on the retail side, like I would go into Google Analytics and I would look at my conversion rate, but then I would I would double check those numbers, right? So I would see like, oh, my conversion rate is 20%, but then I'd be like, wait a minute, Google's telling me I only had 300 orders today. But then I go into my e-commerce platform and I had 500 orders or, you know, however many orders. And I'm like, not all, you know, because of that iframe technology, not all of my orders were being able to be read by Google. Um, so that that's like another really important thing when you're building out your tech stack is to make sure that the tools you're using are compatible with everything else. Because when I was first started looking at that data, I was only seeing about 30% of the actual data. 
I was missing 70%. So I was trying to make decisions based on a minority of the data, which actually led me to making some bad decisions um, until I realized what was going on there. Yeah, and that's that's a whole nother conversation we could have about data ownership and uh, what that means and how, how to implement that. Um, but yeah, Google Analytics, SEMrush, Google Search Console, those are all um, good to know. So I want to talk a little bit about some successes and failures. So to the point of, you know, working at any early stage company and, you know, certainly in cannabis tech um, and as a marketer, we go through both of those. Um, maybe first you want to share a success story with us, some, an initiative you tried or something you did that, that worked. Yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest things that I've got to do recently, um, a few years ago was, uh, where I'm at in Michigan, we border the state of Wisconsin. Um, and we rolled out the first, when I was working on the retail side, um, I, I helped to roll out the first, um, out of home advertising campaign for cannabis in the entire state of Wisconsin. Um, cause there are no dispensaries there, but we're right on the border. And so we put up, I think initially we put up like five billboards, um, kind of on the main highway leading from Wisconsin to Michigan. And then we also, um, utilized, um, as a retailer. Yeah. As a retailer. Yeah. They let you do that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was really, um, you know, I had to call so many people, you know, and like your, your big out of home advertisers wouldn't touch it, you know, out front and Lamar, like they're like, no, we're not doing it. But the state of Wisconsin doesn't actually have any laws against advertising cannabis. Um, and so like, it, it just took me finding the right partners and like talking to usually smaller um, media owners to be able to make this happen. And I actually ha had to help rewrite a lot of internal policies for these companies um, because it, it wasn't state law that was preventing them from doing it. It was their own internal policies. So like we worked with their lawyers and our lawyers to like go through this. And it took about like a year to launch the first campaign. And we were literally the first canvas company to advertise in Wisconsin. Um, and so you know, we, we started with the five billboards, but then we also worked with um, a network of advertisers at restaurants, bars, um, and like venues. So like sports arenas and stuff. So we, we like, we're not too far away from Green Bay, Wisconsin. So we had uh, screens in the bathrooms at every bar surrounding Lambeau. You know, like people would go to these Packer games and tailgate. I, I would literally get- football stadium? Oh, yeah. Okay. Packers, yeah. So I like, and we're pretty close and I've got a lot of friends in Wisconsin. So like the weekend of a Packers game, like I would literally get text messages from friends in Wisconsin, like in the back of sending me photos of like the ads in the bathrooms. I'm like, I don't need to see that, but thank you. Like really cool. <laughs> um, so that, that was like awesome to see. And then there was even like the, when I really knew that it was like working and effective, there was a kid from Wisconsin that came up to visit um, and he tattooed the logo of the, the company I was working for on his like ankle. Um, and he was like, I just want to show this to you guys. Like I saw one of your billboards. Like I'm, you know, he's like, I'm a stoner. I love weed. Like, but we don't have it in Wisconsin. He's like, I come up here like once a month now. Like, this is how much I love you guys. And I was like, 
that is effective marketing. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that, that was probably one of the, in, in marketing, that was probably one of the coolest things that I've got to be a part of. Yeah, I would say any campaign that would actually get someone to execute on a tattoo unsolicited is like a huge win. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. We, well, we that, hooked him up. He got some yeah, free products. <laughs> yeah, that that totally seems uh, worthy. Um, that's exciting. It's it's good to hear that um, there are ways to get things done, and interesting how you approached it in Wisconsin, where there was actually no rules stating no. And you still figured out how to get around that um, and do it completely compliantly. And one of the things I do love about marketing in this space is it does require that creativity and a little bit of that artistry um, yeah. because in this space, these things haven't been done before. So you do come up against that internal resistance, but that's awesome. And those, so, those billboards are still up today. Like, they are. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, how long did you get away with that for? I'm like, we didn't get away with anything. Those boards are still up. We're yeah. <laughs> and that store I'm I'm guessing is still doing great. Yeah, those stores are um some of the highest volume stores that that chain is one of the highest volume chains in the entire state still to this day. Wow. Okay. Well, that's great. So conversely, do you want to talk about any failures, any marketing things you've tried that maybe didn't work out as well and what you learned from them? Yeah, I mean, um I feel like it's it's hard to fail at marketing because you yeah. you're always learning, right? Um, sure. But I think like one of the, one of the more amusing stories I have is like I so I, I started college in 2007, um, and Facebook was becoming like a pretty big thing at that point, and it was like one of the you know one of the first digital channels where like you could all of a sudden reach like entire groups, uh, like specific groups, and specifically college, right? And so um they they were pretty popular they'd been around for a minute and they started rolling out their advertising platform um and I was like I'm going to teach myself how to do Facebook ads um so I, I created a couple of accounts and I messed around with it and I like started to get some random Facebook pages with likes and stuff but like I wanted to like do it for something like I, I wanted to like actually do it for something real. And so I had a friend at the time that was making music. Um, and I was like, let me see how many people I can like get to like his page with like a little campaign. And I set up a campaign that was like, I don't know, like a max of like $15 a day or something like that. And I ran it and it started to work. And I was like, cool, this is awesome. Like, it's fun. Um, but I thought I turned the campaign off. Uh, I did not turn the campaign off and I spent, I ended up spending like $1,500 as like a 18 year old kid, um, advertising my friend's like music career. <laughs> and I, I was, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So $1,500 was like my, the only reason I knew about yeah. it is because I overdrafted my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, what is taking all my money? Um, so that, that was like, that really hurt and I learned a lot um that being said like like over the next three years like my my friend we, he got to open for Bone Thugs and Harmony um he got to play all these big shows like local you know as a local opener he got to open for all these big artists coming to town um uh Ying Yang Twins that was another one um yeah. but like it, so you 
it was a failure. I lost a lot of money, but I had a lot of good times. It, good to and good to learn that young and um, that it did help your friend. That's a good story. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. Pay attention to your budgets is the moral of the story there. Yeah, they can. I've we've I've had a similar story with LinkedIn. They can they can totally sneak up on you if you're not really clear about the parameters on how much to spend, and you got to really watch it because it will it'll happen. That money will get eaten up really fast. Yeah. So what would be the and thank you for sharing that story. But what would be your best advice to cannabis marketers right now? Um, I think this goes back to like the success story and like talking about Wisconsin, but um, it's like, don't, my, my best advice would be to don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. Um, like do the research for yourself uh, because, you know, I, I've talked to, you know, probably 20, two dozen people um, that told me no for advertising in Wisconsin before I found the person that was like, tell me more like, can we do this? Let's find out. Um, and I, I still think that's like very pervasive in our industry. Like so many people think they can't do things. It's like, oh, I can't advertise on, on social media, or I can't use Google ads, or I can't, it's always, I can't do this, this, and this, but what, what can you do? Um, and if, if you think you can't do something, ask why. Um, because usually there's a way to do it. Um, I mean, I, I remember getting when I was on the retail side I remember getting calls from different like advertising platforms and they'd be like hey like you know whether it was um digital ads or like uh, publication ads they'd be like hey we're we're you know we work with cannabis we want to sell you some ads and I'd be like cool what do you got in Wisconsin and they'd be like oh well we can't advertise in Wisconsin because it's illegal and I'm like okay then I'm not interested um I wasn't going to let them tell me where I could and couldn't advertise. And then a lot of those times, a month or two down the road, I would get a call back and they'd be like, so we looked into it and we'll, we'll advertise in Wisconsin with you now. And I'm like, cool. Uh, now I'll do business with you. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's very true. And I think it it is uh, what is when someone tells you no, it's just another opportunity to keep opening doors and find that person who's going to tell you yes. Um, yeah. and, and to do your and research. Like, and what? And to make an impact. Like if everybody, like if those people are telling you no, they've told everybody else no too. So if you can find a way to make it happen, that's going to stand out. You know, if everybody's, if everybody's doing the same thing and you find a way to do something different, like people are going to pay attention to that. Yeah, very much so. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to share, Jeremy, before we wrap about cannabis marketing or any thoughts you have to, for the audience who's looking to help grow their business? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think in general, like, it's just a fun, it's a fun space to be in because it's so new and like, we're still writing the playbook. Like no, there is no playbook for cannabis marketing. Um, you know, we can borrow from other industries and we can learn, like take lessons from other spaces, but like we, we get to make it up. Um, and it's very rare to have that kind of opportunity. Um, and on like a even larger level, like this is a space where we're having real impact in people's lives. And like, again like how many opportunities do you get to do that um in your professional life and like 
in general, this is a once in a life, cannabis is a once in a lifetime opportunity. We're not legalizing this thing any other time in the history of the United States. Like it's, it's now and we're making history. So if you're, if you're interested, like go for it because you're never going to have another chance. And do you have any contact information, maybe a website uh, you want to share with the audience or social handles? Yeah, if you're um, if you're interested, like if you're a retailer and you're looking for online menus and and digital ordering platforms, um, dispenseapp.com. Uh, if you're just looking to find me, um, LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, Jeremy Johnson on LinkedIn. Um, I don't I don't have, I don't think LinkedIn has like tags, but um, it's not like there's like a million other uh, people with the last name of Johnson on LinkedIn. <laughs> We'll link it in the show description on our website. Yeah, we'll, you'll find you'll find me on there. I'm the one with a joint in my profile picture, so you'll you'll figure it out. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and share your stories with us. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, CMA is, I think, a really cool organization in the space, and um, I appreciate all you guys do. And I think we need we need more of that. And it's. It's just cool to have an outlet for like um, that's specific to our industry, you know, especially as such a new industry. Sometimes it can be hard to find community. And I think you guys do a really good job of it with your, you know, your podcast, your, your, your Slack channels that you guys have for people. Um, and then the in, in-person events too. It's, it's fun to like find your little niche, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's much, uh, much needed. It's not, the space isn't easy and community does make it a lot better, particularly we can, when you can share stories like this and learn from each other. I think that's, you know, the best way forward. So Absolutely. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay, thank you everybody. We will see you next week. Bye.